Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome listeners to this March PTJ podcast. I'm Alan Jetty, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of the Physical Therapy Journal. And it's my pleasure to welcome two authors to our podcast today, Dr. Ray Ping Shia, who is Associate Professor at the University of St. Mary in Leavenworth, Kansas, and Dr. Julie Hoffman, who is an Associate Professor at Creighton University in the Department of Physical Therapy. Both are co-authors of a very interesting perspective article published in the March issue of PTJ, and it's entitled Promoting Community Health and Eliminating Health Disparities Through Community-Based Participatory Research. I found the perspective incredibly interesting and provocative, and so I'm really looking forward to talking to both authors about their work. So welcome, Dr. Shea and Dr. Hoffman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Let me begin by asking you to provide our listeners with a brief definition of what you both mean when you refer to community-based participatory research. Although it's familiar in areas such as public health, I suspect many are not familiar with this form of research and how it differs from traditional research paradigms. Right. As you said, this paradigm has been relatively extensively used to address the community health and eliminating health disparities in the public health. And then the definition for community-based participatory research, all CBPR, is a collaborative approach to research that equitably involved all partners, including community partners and also academic partners in the research process. And the CBPR approach does recognize the unique strengths that each partner brings, such as cultural elements and the local knowledge and the lived experiences, for example. And the CBPR also begins with a research topic that is common to both parties, basically with a common goal or common mission objective. And that research topic of the importance to the community, and that is the population that's being served. And it also has the aim of combining the knowledge and, uh, as we said earlier, the social changes, and then that will improve the health outcomes and then to eliminate health disparities. I also want to stress community, in this case, community populations that may be defined by geography, race, and ethnicity, and gender, and also include individuals who share a common diagnosis and have a common condition. And even those healthy individuals who are not necessarily have a common condition, but they have a common goal, which may be just to adopt a healthy lifestyle, Let me jump in and and ask you to uh, comment on one particular part of that definition. In your definition, you talked about joint ownership of the research. And in fact, in your article, you talk about equitable ownership of the research between the community and the researchers. Could you talk a little bit more about what that really means? 
community-based participatory research, like Dr. Shia just mentioned, is really that collaboration between researchers and communities and community partners. And that ownership and that partnership starts at the very beginning of the research process, specifically when it comes to the research design, establishing what the objectives are and what the goals of the community are, not just what the researchers may believe the goals and what the objectives for the research should be. So the key really is that it's a partnership and that those partners from the community are involved from the planning all the way through the dissemination process. In terms, uh, if I could add a little bit, and in terms of the determining the dissemination of the results, and then this CBPR approach typically also will set, uh, report the outcomes of the research to the communities, and uh, including like town hall meetings, and the news media and the newsletters, for example. It could even expand to the policy makers rather than just limited to the professional community. Really, all these processes and making the power and that is being shared. Thank you both for that. One of the things that struck me when I read your article is that you tried to directly relate the CBPR approach to the vision that the American Physical Therapy Association set out in 2013. Could you talk a little bit about why you feel this paradigm fits so nicely with the vision of APTA? In 2013, the House of Delegates, they had a big job and they revised and adopted the new vision statement. and. It states that physical therapy is transforming society by optimizing movement to improve the human experience. And really what I believe this vision emphasizes is, is that movement is fundamental to the quality of life and for optimal living for all people and in all community. And so I think it relates directly to community-based participatory research because that's what the CBPR calls for. It calls for that collaboration with the communities. And I also believe that this vision is really urging our profession to look beyond just focusing on clinical practice alone and to really start to recognize that we as a profession have a greater societal role. And whether that is in doing a pro bono work with the underserved communities or whether that's implementing health and wellness programming for companies or populations of people who have some type of health disparity, community-based participatory research is an ideal way for us to really meet the needs of those communities and really address this vision that the APTA has set out before us. And in particular, because CVPR and then recognize and then our social environment, environmental environment, for example, unsafe environment and inadequate opportunities and for economic resources do have an effect on the health status of the society. Thank you. What I want to do now is I'd like to have you talk about some of the challenges in trying to actually implement a CBPR research in the field of rehabilitation. One of the challenges that I see as a researcher is that most funding agencies require that a researcher spell out many of the design and methodological features of a study. 
And as I think about it, it, it strikes me that this could really run into the challenge of trying to work collaboratively with your community partners in putting together research proposals. How does a researcher accomplish the joint planning and the development that is required in a CBPR paradigm and still try to put together a proposal that will get funded by uh, federal or other agencies? I will begin with a funding agency and now those requests for proposals, for example, RFA, when they are released by the funding agencies, such as local and even federal funding agencies, for example, National Institute of Child and Human Development Health, and a few other agencies that belong to National Institute of Health. And then they announce these funding opportunities, but they do recognize and then the unique challenges associated with a community-based participatory research paradigm. And then obviously to develop a proposal and then those academic partners and the community partners, they have a common goal to share. And then once they have that recognized, and then the initiation can start from either party. And then they need to take some time to build that relationship, particularly based on the common goal they have set, and they can build some trust. And through some of the collaborative meetings and discussions and the education and to each party, so help them to get to know each other. And then obviously, given the principles, guidance principles of the CBPR, and they need to have a collaborative and an equal horizontal partnership and being built in place. In terms of the methodological approach, we know academic partners can take the lead in this aspect, and the community partners' input equally valuable because they would have a much better understanding how to incorporate the cultural element, how to incorporate the local knowledge, and then to make the program more effective. So that is an example of collaboration. That is uh, back to the question, equitable ownership of research, uh, because they co-design and the research study and uh, incorporating the lived experiences and insiders' perspectives. And then they obviously require some of the discussions, the mutual discussions. To our experience, those discussions to be open and mutually empowering. And then the outcomes of the research should also serve both community and also investigators. So it's kind of like based on a unique strength and each brings into the proposal development. Thank you. I can see what you're talking about, but I also see that this could be very challenging for researchers before they get the funding to do the project. Many of the funding proposal announcements, and then they do start with a, like a smaller pilot proposal, and then they sponsor you, and then you can start gathering some information, build that initial relationship. So it is initial, it doesn't lead to a big grant and to begin with, it takes time. And in our experience, it could take two to three years or even more. And to begin with something really small, and then you can develop that mutual relationship. And then that often can lead to a bigger grant proposal, a bigger project. 
just as the article was cited by Haley and the colleagues and published in 2013, that is a very example and then to illustrate what we just said. Yes, I thought that was an excellent illustration that was relevant to rehabilitation professionals because they were focusing on physical activity in the urban African-American population. So I agree with you. I thought that was a great example. But let's talk about that example for a moment. The article Mm -hmm. that you referenced spells out the process that they used and basically actualizes what you've just described. Do we know anything about the findings of the Haley et al. study? We do know some, and then this paper is cited as work in progress. And then in this paper, and the three projects described. So it's more focusing on the initial stage and then of the project. They are findings, all is termed as lessons learned from this study. So the lessons learned from this study can include multiple aspects. I will highlight a few major points, for example. And these lessons show the community partners, and they made a significant contribution to recruit community members and to participate in this project. So in the recruitment efforts aspect, and the community members made participated. And also, it is very important for individuals they learned, it's important to listen to the voice of the community members and also respond to the community members. And then in this project, they included physical therapy students as well as a part of the academic partners. So students were participating and then in collaboration with the community members developed some of the focus group questionnaires and also using some of the outcome assessment, for example, six-minute walk test. And then the students reflected and they have a much deeper understanding, appreciation, and respect for the social, economic, and environmental context and in future practice, how this understanding may influence, enhance, and the health outcomes. These initial findings of the study also has led to the direction of the future research. As mentioned earlier, there were three projects described in this published study, but this result has led to the project number four, which is titled the Body and the Soul Program, and led to the further funding supporting their future projects. It seems quite clear to me when I think about it and listen to you describe it. As a researcher, I could get a lot of help both in recruitment and implementing the study as well as on the dissemination Mm -hmm. side. Those are two areas that I find very challenging in our work to really try to affect large-scale change. And I could really see where the CBPR approach could be very helpful, particularly in those two areas. Yeah, exactly. And also I want to add and the outcome of this study and the disseminated results and by distributing 400 physical activity newsletters and then to the local residents. The multiple locations in that is the Austin area neighborhood in suburban Chicago area. 
So that generated direct impact on those individuals who live with this particular, who wants to have a better overall health and wellness. I would like to talk now, or have you talk, about two other issues related to trying to actually pull off CBPR research. One is, in your article, you noted that there frequently is distrust of researchers by the community. How does a researcher overcome such distrust? This is a very common barrier, I would say, to traditional research, is that the issue of distrust. Because the basis of community-based participatory research is, is that collaboration and the partnership, I think the first thing is really investing time in the community and getting to know and understand you know, who the stakeholders are, what the goals, what the problems and the issues within that community are. So investing time in the relationships. And then once you, the group, the partnership has decided what the project should be, what the objectives need to be, you know, as long as there is, the people are listening, there's opening communication throughout the entire process. There is respect for the wishes and the changes of the cultural issues within any given community. That's another very important way to establish that trust. And I think up front, it's very important also to establish clear expectations that everyone has a hand in establishing what the expectations, the timeline, those types of things are really important. And I think also from the beginning, it's also important to note, like, you know, how are things going to be disseminated and what roles different people are going to have, and that that is just communicated throughout the entire process. Well, that leads me to the next question. You've emphasized that it does take a lot of upfront work and it takes a lot of investment of time on the part of the researcher and the academic member of the, of the project. How does an academic faculty member balance those requirements with the challenges of institutional promotion and, in some communities, tenure policies? Is mm -hmm. this approach feasible, given the, the standards in our current academic culture? Apparently, these are very important questions. If we can look at this from a bigger picture, such as uh, institutional transformation and then how institutions might be interested in the cultural change in cooperation and the leadership and the collaboration. And then despite the fact that this CBPR approach may take a longer time to develop compared to the traditional biomedical research paradigm, and I think it is worth the effort to make this feasible, institution could consider to recruit some of the senior faculty members and some of the tenured faculty members. That can be very helpful. Yeah, I think you make a really good point that uh, it does require some culture change, Dr. Shia. And in, in fact, I would share with you here at Boston University, we found we had to do workshops with the members of our IRB here on the medical campus in order right. to help them understand the paradigm of community-based participatory research. It's very different than traditional biomedical research. And once we did that, we found much more reception on the part of the IRB members to this approach. So I would agree with I you agree totally. I agree with you. And in fact, there are several, quite a large centers 
and then in the country, and then that focus on the community-based participatory research. So the resources actually are very available and accessible. I think to make this uh, feasible, and then interested, you know, faculty who are interested in this approach, and then they could build some relationship, and internally, even including the academic leaders, and if pursue some funding through internal agency or the external agency. Generally speaking, the funded projects and will bring more attention, and then help to build momentum to develop. The CBPR approach. The other thing I've found is that CBPR provides a great opportunity for students at all levels, whether it's an entry-level physical therapy student or if it's a graduate-level student. And so I think that the institutionally, I think those opportunities for students is really appreciated, and that can be a part of that cultural shift that we've talked about. Is if the rank and tenure process recognizes the value that that adds to the student's experience. That that might be another important point in making that cultural shift. Well, I want to thank both Dr. Shia and Dr. Hoffman for taking the time to talk about community-based participatory research today. And I'd like to urge listeners, if you haven't already, to take a look at their article in the March issue of Physical Therapy. And at the back, of course, there's a extensive list of references for those of you who might be interested. In exploring in greater depth this paradigm of research, so thank you both for、uh, sharing your comments and your insights with our listeners today. Our pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having us.